2, 1-7 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Welcome to the Bridgeway Christian Church Daily Advent Devotional for Saturday, December 24th. My name is Brian, and I serve as the Director of Discipleship at Bridgeway. Today, I'm going to talk about discovering love in the manger. When I was young, I loved to immerse myself in stories. In early childhood, I became obsessed with a series of kids' sports novels by an author named Matt Christopher. I would read these books and imagine the characters were friends of mine. And in my mind's eye, I would imagine their homes and schools and sports fields. I found myself thinking about these characters as if they were real people, even when I wasn't reading the books. In my early adolescence, I traded sports novels for legal thrillers as I began a several-year obsession with John Grisham novels. Yes, I recognize that's a bit of an odd interest for a teenager, but I didn't care. Once again, as I read, I would let my imagination run wild, picturing the scenes in my mind and imagining what these fictional characters were like in real life. It was always kind of funny to me when I would see the movie of a book I had read and I would test how close my imagination was to the imagination of the director of these movies. And this childhood obsession with stories didn't stop with reading. In a world before iPads and smartphones, I would bring stacks of blank binder paper with me on long car trips. And as we moved up or down Interstate 5, I would fill those pages with stories usually my own attempt at a Matt Christopher novel, or, one time, a 40- or 50-page story of a made-up basketball team trying to find its way in the NBA. There was something about dreaming up characters and then writing them into my stories that gave me great enjoyment. I was the author, and the characters could be anything I wanted them to be. And, in a sense, the characters were all a reflection of me. No one else got to pick their personalities, interests, or tendencies— The characters were just as I designed them. One thing I would notice in the stories I would write is that, inevitably, my main characters would be like me. Or at least they would be like I wished I was. Whoever I wanted to be was, in a sense, reflected in these figments of my imagination. One of my favorite phrases for describing God is that he is the author of history. Now, he isn't sitting in the backseat of a minivan on a car trip writing fiction. He's ruling and reigning over all creation. His knowledge is limitless. His understanding is complete. His power is unmatched. The Bible tells us that our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. He is the author. And in his gracious kindness, he has written all of us into his story and stamped each one of us with his image. But at Christmas 2,000 years ago, he did something different. He wrote himself into the story. The author 
became a character. And not only was he a character, he was the hero. He was the hero who was alluded to as far back as Genesis 3 and who was prophesied about throughout the Old Testament. And what I find so amazing is that God could have written himself into the story in any way he wanted to. He could have come as a conquering king or influential politician. He could have come as a captivating orator or cultural elite. I think of my own stories as I wrote myself into the stories as somebody with inflated basketball skills or intelligence or whatever I wanted to have at the time. But God didn't do that. He came as a baby in a manger, born to two young, scared parents who weren't even in their hometown. The author of Hebrews describes Jesus in Hebrews 1.3 saying, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. The baby, born of a virgin, lying in the manger, contains the exact imprint of the nature of God. He is the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power. The baby in the manger shows us what God is like. That kind of humility is utterly staggering to me. That God would take on flesh, let alone the flesh of a defenseless child, is almost too much for me to comprehend, even after having been a Christian for most of my life. He was still a king, but he was born a child. That is who God is, and that is what he does. So we can look to the manger and we can see the unending love of God. The same God who is perfect in holiness became a child. The same God who placed the stars in their place became a child. The same God who righteously judges sin became a child. And this child would grow up to be the one who cared for the downtrodden and the hurting. He would grow up to be the one who stood up to corrupt leaders. He would grow up to be the one who preached about this radical, beautiful thing called the kingdom of God. And he would grow up to be the one who sacrificed himself to defeat our greatest enemies, Satan, sin, and death. That is a love worth discovering because it's the love we were made for. So on this Christmas Eve, may we remember the manger where we see the love of God made manifest. May we remember the manger that reminds us of God's radical commitment to us. May we remember the manger that shows us that the author of history wrote himself into the story and that he is our hero. From all of us on staff here at Bridgeway, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.